Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is book four, episode one, and I am joined today by the co-author of the book, The Visual Sale, How to Use Video to Explode Sales, Drive Marketing, and Grow Your Business in a Virtual World, Marcus Sheridan. Marcus is an international keynote speaker listed by Forbes as one of 20 speakers you don't want to miss. Dubbed a web marketing guru by the New York Times, he inspires audiences from the stage and through his agency impact in the area of sales, marketing, leadership, and communication. He is the author of the content marketing guidebook, They Ask You Answer, which has inspired thousands to achieve their potential, but has given them the tools they need to get there. And in 2020, co-wrote the book that we'll be discussing today, The Visual Sale with Tyler Lassard, who will be on the next couple of episodes. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus. How are you? Josh, I'm good, man. Happy to chat about video. Heck, I mean, you know, it is the the last year's been the year of video, so it's yes, a good it time has. to chat about it. Yes, it has. Um, now, before we dive into the book, I'd like for the loyal readers to get to know you a little better with three questions. So question number one, do you prefer a book or an ebook? Um, a book book although i would i would prefer to listen and take notes as i listen okay um i don't ever do ebooks okay yeah now what is your favorite book my favorite book of all time is how to win friends and influence people dale carnegie mm-hmm. ultimate classic yes it what is. a what a self-help master he was just he amazing was. that man All right, third and final question. Would you say it's nature or nurture that's made you the person you are today? I would lean more towards um, nurture. Nurture. All right, very good. Well, for those of you who are keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. And let's go ahead and get started explaining this book to me. Um, So I'd like to begin at the very beginning of the book. So we're going to begin in the preface of the book, and then we'll move on to the introduction. So you write that there's plenty of content online about how to do video, but there is very little on how to grow your business brand and bottom line through video. So when you and Tyler decided to join forces to author this book, you didn't want to write another guide to vlogging or Instagram, etc. Instead, you wanted to show the reader how to get real results by showing what real companies are doing. So your first goal is to flood the reader with enough ideas as to what video can do for their organization. And the second goal is that the reader will have the basic tools, foundational knowledge, and direction to take action. So do you believe that you not only achieved those two goals, but exceeded them from when you and Tyler first discussed them? Yeah, I think we did. You know, it's one of those things where... um, one of the well, it's a it's not easy writing a book about video because mm-hmm. you're writing a book about video, right? Yes. So that in, in and of itself is problematic, right? You're always going to fall short to explain it to show it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so there's 
there's things that we did do to help that. So, for example, um, we we reference the the visualsale.com a decent amount in the book, and mm-hmm. simply because we give so many examples of here's something that you could do, here's something you could do, but I can't show it in the actual book, right? right. And so by watching or by going over to the visualcell.com, watching some of those example videos that we have there, we're able to, to, to finish that out. Plus, there's other components to video that people are always asking about that you don't want to write about. For example, mm-hmm. I don't want to write about what's the best equipment that I should be using uh, to get started. That could change so much right. over the course of the next year. It, it would be silly to do that. And so once again, that's the type of content that we would need to have on the visualcell.com so that we can evolve it. I wanted this book to be more evergreen, right? That mm-hmm. if you read it in five years, it could be just as relevant. And that's why They Ask You Answer did what did has done so well. It, it is... The other book that I wrote for those that right. aren't familiar with me is it's it's a very evergreen book. And that's just a smarter way to write a book because then you're not writing a wave that is going right. to potentially go away in a, in a few months, right? Instead, you've got something that could be built to last. And that's the idea. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I'm glad you brought up the website because that was going to be the next thing I was going to mention. So everyone, make sure that you go check it out after you listen to this episode. But as I was reading the book, I realized that even if someone has been doing video for years or if someone is a novice, that this book is something that you can come back to year after year to make sure that you are following essentially the fundamentals of video. Yeah, it's like do these things and it will work. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's like there's certain reminders. And the and the the thing about it, too, like if you just look at it, like, and I know we're going to get to this, but if you just say, mm-hmm. okay, so Marcus has all these different videos that create more sales, right? Because we've got the first half of sales, second half is marketing. So how many of these have I already done? Mm-hmm. And which ones do I need to lean into more, maybe this month or this year, than I have in the past? And like anything in life, we need to keep the sword sharpened, right? Because it can get dull right. over time. And, and and your video game is the same way with as in terms of your company, your organization. You're going to experience, you know, highs and lows. And so the idea behind this book and, and to to the original question, Josh, is you just see a lot of video books, but it's almost like they were all written by solopreneurs for solopreneurs by solopreneurs for solopreneurship, mm-hmm. right? And it's like right. that's not that's not needed in the marketplace right now. It's crazy that you have companies of one that are doing video ten times better than companies of one thousand. Right. The more red tape a company has, and the more people they have, the more they stink at video. That, that makes sense. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, Have all the budget in the world. Stinket video. Don't create their own video. Well, yeah. I mean, wow. that's why you have people that you can go on YouTube and learn more about and see absolutely amazing stuff from them. And then you watch Fortune 500 companies and you think, was that really the best thing that you guys could have come up with? I mean, you have all the money in the world. And a guy working out of his house is doing better than you are. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. 
Um, now, moving on to the introduction, and this is something I've heard you say for years, you are a media company. Hmm. Now, I've also heard people say you are a sales organization. So why do you believe that an organization is a media company over a sales organization or something else when a broad statement like that is made? Well, the internet doesn't give us a, a choice on this matter anymore, right? So okay. I would certainly never have said when I started my swimming pool company in 2001, I'm a media company at the time, right? I mean, heck, mm -hmm. there were still tons of businesses in 2001 that didn't even have a website and were just right. fine. So if you go to anybody today, though, and you say, do you pretty much have to have a website to be a viable business? Argument, yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. unless you're Johnson & Johnson, right? And you've been around for 5,000 years. Yep. You have to be mm -hmm. uh, digital today, yeah. right? And you can call it a media company. You can call it a digital company. But the idea that we've got to take part in the digital world and embrace the digital buyer and therefore mm -hmm. align with what the digital buyer wants, that's why you have to see yourself as a media company. And plus, here's the key, Josh, to your question just now. Mm -hmm. Most companies don't need another salesperson. You need a videographer way more than you need a salesperson right now. For 90-plus percent of the listeners to this right, right now, you need that videographer that's in-house. That would cost you. Half of mm -hmm. what a salesperson costs you on a new hire, yet yep. the returns that this individual is going to give you is going to last literally four years, especially mm -hmm. if they do what's in the book, right? If you take the right actions. Right. And so that's why we've got to see ourselves as a media company. Like, well, does the media company have a videographer full-time in-house? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay. Well, then I guess that's what we need to do. Now, of course, it's easy to listen to this and say, well, I can't afford that. I just call BS on that. I've got, you know, um, at this point in my life, I have three very different companies that I own. They're all mm -hmm. small businesses. Every one of them has at least one full-time videographer, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about yeah. at some point. But the thing about it is that's the way a media company thinks. Gotcha. That's my point. Gotcha. And then video becomes a 24-7 salesperson for you. They don't call in. That's they it. don't get sick. That's it's it. They're forever. Forever. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. They won't even ask for a commission. No. No. Not that salespeople are bad. I love salespeople. I am mm -hmm. a sales guy at heart. I speak the language of sales. Yeah. But you don't need another salesperson right now as much as you need a full-time videographer. Well, that's definitely something for us to consider even in our business. So we've talked about um, do we who do we hire next? And so this has definitely changed the, the, the thinking for, for us. Um, now, over the next, you know, this episode and the episodes with, uh, with Tyler, um, we're going to find out the answers to three major questions about video um, that you guys put in in the book. The first is what types of video actually get results from a sales and marketing perspective? The second is what are some B2B and B2C case studies of companies having exceptional success using video? And then the third is what must a company do to create a culture of in-house video that is built to last? So you and I are going to tackle questions one and three, and then I'm going to uh, take uh, question two with Tyler. Um, so with mm -hmm. that, we've 
finish the introduction and we're going to actually loyal readers jump into part two of the book which is the art of video for sales so in this part of the book marcus writes about six videos that will immediately impact sales and closing rates and so the, those videos are number one the 80 percent video number two employee bio videos for email signatures video three, product and service fit videos, video four, cost and pricing videos, video five, customer journey videos, and number six, claims we make videos. So you write that the trust is at the core of using videos, but once you move past trust and ask why video, the answer, answer should always start with sales and not marketing because video is a sales initiative. So can you kind of explain what is the difference between videos that are used for sales and videos that are used for marketing? This is such an important element of the conversation, Josh, right? Because if you talk to most companies and you say, do you primarily consider video to be a marketing activity or a sales activity? The very high percentage are going to say marketing. If you ask mm -hmm. them, does it come out of marketing budget or sales budget? Once again, it comes out of marketing budget. It's funny to me. Sometimes they say, well, we see it as a sales activity. I'm like, oh, really? What budget does it come out of? Whoa, 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 whoa. See, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. It should be coming out of sales budget. Now, the question is, why is that? Well, here's the frank truth. Because if you start to produce video and spend the time, effort, energy, resources on creating said videos within your organization, and you don't see returns, Eventually, someone like the CFO is going to say, why is this not actually making us any money? Mm -hmm. And then it's going to get cut. I see it all the time with marketing initiatives. It's not sales driven. It's too fluffy. And so therefore, eventually, it falls by the wayside. And so you want to start with sales. You want to say, what are the tools that the mm -hmm. sales team needs in their toolbox right now? We love buying, you know, if you think about it too, it's like companies are much more willing to spend on sales initiatives. Right. Does your company have a CRM right now? Yeah, probably. Does it have marketing automation? Maybe, maybe not. Same thing, right? Same deal. And so this is the way that we need to approach it in terms of priority. So if you say, okay, we're going to, here's our litmus test for the initial videos that we produce. Can it help the sales team close more deals right now? The answer is mm -hmm. not yes. Then it's a wasteful video. Like yeah. you shouldn't be producing that about us video, even though it makes you feel good about you and your company. Your sales team isn't there sitting there saying, man, if I just had that about us video right now, I'm sure I could bring this prospect home. That's not the way they're talking. That's not what they're thinking. What they're thinking is good grief, man. I just keep getting hit with this issue from our prospects, and I can't seem to overcome it very well, just wish there was a better way to explain it or to resolve the concern. That's what salespeople are thinking. That's why it needs a video, right? Or the yeah. salesperson's thinking, my goodness, some of our lead quality these days stinks. It's like, I'm going there and they're just asking me dumb questions. All right, they shouldn't be, but if we're not educating mm -hmm. them on the front end, well then that's, we reap what we sow essentially. Right. So it needs to be a sales first initiative. Doesn't mean that we won't be producing leads from it. It just means 
that if we can help the sales team shorten the sales cycle and close more deals today, it was worth it. Regardless of what happens on the marketing side, regardless of it, if it ever produces a single lead, it was worth it. This is essential to remember. Yeah. And that's something that um, when you talk about the About Us video that I was guilty of uh, at the end of last year, I had contacted a local company about doing five videos and uh, three of them were the About Us type video about each of us in the office and then about the agency as a whole and then a couple others. And um, I had a little bit of sticker shock when they told me how much it was going to cost to produce five videos. Um, and so that was a quick, uh, Stunning. Oh yeah, it was, it was, I was like, you could buy a used car for that price. And, um, so we ended up, uh, that's, not doing the, that's right. Not doing, um, but that leads and what us do you have to show for Josh? That's the thing. What do you have to show for at the end? So you've got five videos. Whoop the mm -hmm. freaking do that because the yeah. companies that are doing amazing things online, mm -hmm. they produce consistent content and i'm talking right. you know we with my agency we 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 train companies all over the world on how to create a culture of video in house mm -hmm. and every single one of these organizations has an in-house videographer and they're producing on average two videos a week and this wow. is how you see explosive growth but you yeah. don't do, imagine if you were outsourcing video and producing two quality videos a week outsourcing it what would that cost you i mean right. you'd have to mortgage your home and then you oh, yeah. still probably need help you see what mm -hmm. i'm saying whereas oh, yeah. you can get a videographer for like i said half the cost of a salary of a salesperson and they can now be producing two quality videos a week that's what i'm talking about yeah see definitely. i think in terms of efficiencies as a business owner that's way more efficient yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that leads us into the first video that you recommend, um, which is the 80% video. And it gets back to what the sales team needs. Um, so this isn't in the book, but this is something that I've done. And I probably got it sort of from you listening to you. I have a Word document saved on my desktop where every time that someone asks me a question, whether it's a prospect or a client, I will go open it up, type it in word for word so that I can come back later to answer that question for the person. Sure. Um, so now let's get back to you and your expertise and not my, my ideas. Um, but you write that by creating this video, you don't have to spend nearly as much time building the relationship of trust on the front end because it's already been established. And what I like to do is give the loyal readers kind of your recommendation. Um, and in the book, you actually have nine questions that you write about. Um, but uh, we'll let the loyal readers go to the book and read those um, themselves. But the way that you outline the process for the 80% video is this. So you brainstorm a list of the most important products or services. Then you have your sales team brainstorm the most common questions, and they want to have a minimum of 10. And then from there, you take those 10, narrow it down to seven, because that's what you guys have found as the magic number, which is interesting. Lucky number seven, as some people would mm -hmm. say. Um, answer each question in an individual video, and then take those seven videos, combine them into one, and then you give that video to the sales team. 
So how does the sales team actually integrate that video into the sales process? Is it some sort of landing page on the website? Am I thinking too granular? How do they actually do that? Yeah, so if you think about this, and, and just to understand the 80% video, for mm -hmm. those that are listening, 80% comes from this notion that 80% of the questions that a salesperson answers on a first sales call are repeat questions. In other words, they know they're going to get them before they even meet with the prospect. They get them every single time. In fact, it's almost like it's like, oh, here we go again, Groundhog's Day. I know mm -hmm. the questions you're gonna you're gonna ask. And so, we have to ask ourselves, Josh, why the heck do we continue to answer the exact same questions over and over again? Mm -hmm. Do we enjoy it? Does it make yeah. us happy? that feeling of incredible redundancy, I don't know about you, but it doesn't bring me joy. Mm -hmm. So in order to prevent that from happening, you create a video that addresses those top most repeated questions. And to your point, you integrate it in the sales process. Now, this is the part that a lot of companies will screw up because you've got to teach your sales team how to do this the right way. Now, when they ask you answer the book, I talk a lot about this thing called assignment selling. And that's how you leverage content the right way in the sales process. And so with a video, let's say you're setting up a sales call with a prospect, right? And let's say, Josh, you're my prospect. Okay. I might say to you, so Josh, looking forward to meeting with you on Friday. Now, listen, I know you've got a bunch of questions on your mind right now. And these questions are had by the majority of people that are in your position. We've created a video that are, that's going to address those seven questions. For example, we're going to talk about some of the pricing questions that you have right now. We're going to talk about who this product or service is or is not a good fit for. So we're going to really answer some of those major questions mm -hmm. that you need to know right now. Now, by watching this video... It's going to save us not only time, but it's mm -hmm. going to prevent us from making any mistakes when we meet together on Friday. So, Josh, we make sure to watch that video before our call. Now, that's how you do it. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. You explain yep. why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do. And then get a confirmation, a verbal confirmation that, yes, they're going to do the thing. That's assignment selling 101. But the beauty is, if they've done that, what, what happens? Not only do they know the answer to those 80% of questions that they would have asked, right? But right. they've now heard it from you, learned it from you. They know your face. They know your voice. And they feel like they know you, to your point, right? And this, this is the magic of video. Mm -hmm. That an article can do to a degree, but right. not to the degree of video. One of the big points of the book is they should see our face and mm -hmm. hear our voice before we've ever seen their face and heard their voice, right? That's one of the keys. And if that happens, they feel like they know us and ultimately they'll trust us, right? That's the idea behind this. And so, you know, if I'm meeting with a prospect and shaking their hand and mm -hmm. they've never seen my face before, the mindset should be I have failed that prospect. I'm mm -hmm. no different than anybody else that's meeting with them. Uh, that's very true. Let me ask you this question that applies directly to our industry in the insurance, a lot of times people will call us, we haven't ever spoken to them, and they immediately want a solution. They want to buy something from us. How do we use the 80% video 
before? Do we tell them that, hey, we need you to do this first and then call back? Or what would that you That certainly could then? be one. So in other words, there's a series of questions generally mm -hmm. you have to ask to give somebody an actual rate, right? So, right. so what can be done in, in there and it's going to vary like there's going to be times where you're just going to handle everything in one fell swoop because you got the call and you're going to do it right then and there but you might have an 80 percent video that you use for after that call okay you also might have one that you say to the individual now listen there's a bunch of things that i need to be able to ask you in order to to, to give you the right rate Mm -hmm. uh, for your needs, because your needs aren't the same as some other business or some other individual. And so as to be able to do that, I've created this video that's going to teach you the differences between certain things. So when I say to you, would you prefer this or this, you're able to say, okay, Marcus, I want that thing, right? Now, obviously, mm -hmm. I would give a lot more specificity, right? Uh, depending on the thing that I was selling or the thing that they were looking for in that moment. And so by doing that, you can say, so we watch this and then we can have a conversation tomorrow based on what you see. So that's a great way to do it. What's not necessarily very, um, like someone might listen to that, an agent, let's say, could listen to that and say, well, I could just teach them everything or talk to them about everything on the phone right then and there. Yeah, you could, but oftentimes when you're selling, if you spend too much time teaching and try to convince them or persuade mm -hmm. them that one thing is right and one thing is wrong, one thing is better, one right. thing is not, mm -hmm. it, it, can, it can lose efficacy, right? You can actually mm -hmm. lose authority by doing that. It's no different than, let's say, let's say somebody contacts my agency, Josh, and they say, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I heard about um, they ask you answer and I just wanted, I wanted you to, to tell me about it. And then, and then we can see if it's a good fit. And we say, so have you read the book yet? Well, no, no, but you know, I've definitely heard some friends that have, you know, have, have like, have done it and it's really worked for them. We're not going to teach them they ask you answer in that moment. Right. Because that is not going to lead to a breakthrough. It's going to lead to a breakthrough is if we give them something that explains clearly what they ask you answer is, mm -hmm. and they can figure out if it aligns with their wants their company their organization or not gotcha then we can have the call okay you see and so there's a lot of different ways uh there's a lot of different ways to do it. another one that you can do this is for this let's say you talk to a prospect mm -hmm. but you know there's multiple other decision makers this is very common right. with like commercial insurance right mm -hmm. it could be yes. other people that are going to be making making the final call so right. you have an 80 percent video that you say to the person let's say you're the prospect josh mm -hmm. i could say to you so josh i know i've answered your questions today but you're going to have to go back to your team and explain all the things that you and i have talked about great thing is i've already created a video that addresses all these elements to the conversation that we've had today and if you have your team watch this first it's going to make your life a lot easier as you explain to them the things we've discussed. Will you make sure your team watches this as soon as possible, Josh? Mm -hmm. And you say yes, right? So that, again, same principle of assignment selling, in this case, using the 80% video. That makes perfect sense. And hopefully all loyal readers will be getting together with their teams and making this 80% video as soon as this podcast drops, which it's your number one video. It's the yeah. most important video that you, that you should have. And most companies don't have anything like it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm one of those companies. I need to change that. Let's get on this. it, Josh. Let's yes. get on it. 
Yes. All right. So the next video that you talk about is the employee bio videos for email signatures. And you make a very gracious offer and you tell people that if they want to see what a proper one is to email you at Marcus at Marcus Sheridan dot com. So I get, readers. I, get, I get a few of those every single day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Funny. I, yeah. So loyal readers, go ahead and take Marcus up on this. Uh, on this offer. Um, so you say that the bio video accomplishes two goals for you. The first is it explains what you do for the company, why you chose your profession. And the second is it gives a little yeah. bit of personal information about you and what you do, what you do when you're not at work. And it's about 60 to 90 seconds long. Do you have people when you say, you know, the about us video, not that important. Do you just use this as the about us if someone is really wanting to have that on their website? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where there's nothing inherently wrong with about us videos. Right. It's just they don't move the needle very much, and they're generally mm -hmm. not very personal. Mm -hmm. The beauty behind a bio video is about you yep. individually because you are the one that is going to be the catalyst for this relationship and ultimately the potential purchase of the mm -hmm. client. And so by creating that, and then putting in a place where people actually see it, mainly your email signature, which is a very underutilized mm -hmm. tool for brand awareness, personal brand awareness and marketing. Now, all of a sudden, you can have way more people that are, again, seeing your face, hearing your voice before you actually meet. It's a no-brainer, and it's really, really easy to do. It's very, very easy to do. It's stunning to me, Josh, that if you look at most email signatures, most still – I don't even have the person's face on it. Mm -hmm. Come on. What the heck? Now, you might sit there and argue, well, I mean, I don't necessarily want to show my face because no, 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 no. The moment you signed up to ask people for their money, you lost the right to say, I don't want to show my face or I don't want to give them any reason to trust me or I don't want to do videos. You lost that right because you asked people for money. <laughs> now, if you're just some engineer that's cooped up in the corner office like building your little thing all day long and right. you know just busy engineering, not talking to humans, good for you. Don't have that bio video. Don't need that bio video. You're not talking to customers all day long. Right. But if you're talking to customers all the time and you're asking them for their money, you sure as heck should give them every reason to trust you. Bio yeah. video is just a simple way to do that that almost nobody does. Yeah. So, again, I'll be making that video sometime this week. And <laughs> <laughs> at least make sure, Josh, your face is on your signature first. Yeah. Get yeah. that. Get a good image on your email signature, not just your contact information, right? A mm -hmm. good image. Then add the video after that. Yeah. I can do that. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You 
provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. So the next video that you talk about is the product and service fit video, um, which this has always been an interesting one to me. And I think it is going to apply a lot to people in the insurance industry where many try to be a jack of all trades and they become a master of none. So instead of necessarily telling people this is a good fit for you, you position it as this is not a good fit for a person. Um, and you go on to write about how there are three questions regarding these types of videos. Um, so the three questions are, can it be used in other applications other than product or service pages? How long should a fit video be? And what are the biggest mistakes companies make with fit videos? Could you kind of give us the answer um, to each of those questions? Yeah, you know, when it comes to fit videos, this is one mm -hmm. of those, if you want to quickly tap into the psychology of trust mm -hmm. and you want to stand out from your competitors, all you have to do is explain clearly who your product or service is not a good fit for. That's all you have to do. Now, that draws everybody's attention. I mean, they literally see, hear that and they say, what? Mm -hmm. Son of a gun, I can't believe that you told me that. This company's mm -hmm. so different. Finally, somebody's willing to say it for what it is. Hallelujah. Like this is the way the buyer thinks. They might not say it out loud, but subconsciously, this is what they're thinking. Right. And so you have to be willing to say, listen, this product is for such and such. If you're dealing with this, you're dealing with this, well, then this would potentially be a good fit for you. But if you are this or that, have this issue, that issue, then, then this is likely not your best option. Now you are the trusted expert. Mm -hmm. Now you're the expert, right? Right. Now, when it comes to some of those, when it comes to some of those best practices, in any, you know, for some reason, people get really caught up in length of videos. It's like mm -hmm. the question everybody wants to ask. <laughs> Which is funny to me because if you and your buddy are sitting down at the cafe and your buddy says to you, can you explain to me this thing? You don't say, so do you want a 90 second answer? Do you want, you know, the five minute answer? Do you want a 15 minute answer? I mean, really, which would you prefer? What we do if we're good communicators is we answer the question thoroughly yet concisely as possible. Mm -hmm. That's communication 101. So you don't want to waste time with fluff, but you also want to say it in a way that the person says, ah, now I understand. And so there's going to be lots of videos, like the 80% video. It's going to be longer. A bunch of questions you're answering there. It's going to be longer. 
And I mentioned this in the book that one of the stupidest stats in the history of the internet is all videos should be short, like less than 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Because there's a drop-off rate after 90 seconds. That's dumb. Because there's also a really big drop-off rate after 7 seconds. But does it mean that all videos should be 7 seconds? No. no. It just means there's a drop-off rate. Fact is, you don't want everybody to get through your videos. I don't care if everybody watches all of my videos. I care that my customers watch my videos. And also care that some of the videos are so clear that people will say halfway through, up. Ah, Now, I realize this is not a good fit for me. I can stop watching. Guess what? Everybody wins. That's good. That's not bad. That's a good thing. So that's a key to remember when it comes to the length of the video. But, you know, look for opportunities in these fit videos to talk about the other side of the coin. Talk about who it is and who it is not a good fit for. Don't be snarky. Don't Mm -hmm. be sarcastic. Just be honest. And by doing that without snark, mm-hmm. you're going to be very effective at garnering a whole lot more trust. That makes perfect sense. And that kind of takes us into the next video, which is the cost and pricing video. And again, this was something that I didn't fully understand when you first started talking about it, especially given what we do in the insurance industry, where it's not like everyone that calls us, we're going to sell them a pool for the same price from person to person if they buy the exact same one. Um, So I like the framework that you give in the book um, for loyal readers. This is what Marcus writes. The first is that you address all the factors that drive the cost of a product or service up or down. Um, Second, discuss the marketplace and why comparable products or services are cheap or expensive. And number three, talk about your product or service and why it costs what it costs. And this is, to me, the most key part for us is, and you remind us that we don't have to give exact pricing here. I was stuck on that until you said that. Um, So could you kind of give us a brief idea of what type of video this would be for your pool company or your marketing company um, when you would make this type of video? Once again, if you create a powerful cost price video, really helpful, really educational. Your sales team is going to be so elated because the whole purpose to the video is it defines what establishes value proposition and what establishes value period in your industry. You know, I've been teaching companies for over 10 years how to talk about cost and price on their website. And most still get caught up in this idea of, I don't want to get cornered when I mention pricing. The, 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 like, the whole purpose is not that you get cornered. The purpose here is that the person's able to say, ah, now I get it. Now I see all the factors that are going to drive the cost of this thing up, what's going to keep it down. I understand now why some companies are so dang expensive. I understand why others are cheaper. I know the differences between them, so I see where I align. And oh, by the way, I also know where this company aligns itself, right? right? And so if I was talking about, let's say, river pools and spas, my swimming pool company, and somebody, and I was producing a cost video, I would say something to the effect of, okay, so today, in today's video, we're going to look at what are all the factors that are going to drive the cost of your fiberglass swimming pool project up. 
At the same time, we're going to analyze what would keep the cost of your project down. Now, in conjunction with this, we're going to look at why some companies are more expensive than others. And then mm -hmm. finally, we're going to talk about what we generally charge here at Riverpools. And by the end of this video, hopefully you'll have a great sense as to where you want to fall when it comes to what you spend on your fiberglass swimming pool. That's it. There's an intro. Boom. Dunzo. And you could do that with any industry. It doesn't matter. B2B, B2C. It's all the same jam. So don't put yourself in that corner if we're different because you're not. And, and if you do that, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you've done something your competitors haven't done. Right. And you really start to dominate the marketplace. I mean, golly day. I... I can't tell you how many times I've had companies produce cost price content as described just now and quickly becomes the number one traffic lead and sales generating piece of content they have. Happens in so many stinking industries, especially B2B, where nobody talks about it. The less people talk about it, guess what? The more you should be talking about it because that means you totally dominate the conversation. And who doesn't want to dominate the conversation? I sure as heck do. Right. Exactly. Well, it's like, um, was it Jim Rohn that said, um, see what everyone else is doing and do the exact opposite of it? <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, we've got two more videos. We've got the customer journey video is next. And um, you write that a majority of companies will have something on their website, some sort of customer quotes or testimonials. But the best thing to do is to earn the prospect's trust through this customer journey. And the traditional you know, hero's journey has 12 parts, but you guys break it down into three stages in the book. Stage one is your prospect has a problem. Stage two is the journey they go on to fix their problem. And then stage three, where they are today and how you were able to help fix the problem or they were able to fix their problem yeah. with your help. Mm -hmm. um, so by showing this journey, the prospect can identify with the individual and you write about how, you know, you've had prospects before where they are on the fence about doing business with you, you send them the video, they identify with that person and they go ahead and move forward. That's, and that's um, the whole key there, Josh, right. that the buyer in the process of researching mm -hmm. can relate to someone's current or can relate their current pain or need mm -hmm. to a previous customer that you have had. If you look at most testimonials or reviews, they don't do that. All they mm -hmm. do is say, we love working with a company. They're so great. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't talk about the journey and the pain they were in. So the person's not nodding their head. The prospect's not nodding their head saying, yeah, that's exactly what we're going through. Look, honey, they're just like us. That's the idea behind the customer journey video. And it goes back to, Josh, you remember those um, infomercials that were so popular back in the day? Oh, yes. What makes a great infomercial? It's all customer journeys, mm -hmm. the stories of this person that was like, you know, I had no energy and I just was struggling and my life sucked. And all of a sudden I tried this, you know, energy 1000 pills. And yep. let me tell you what, today I get to walk with my kids outside. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, but it's the journey. Yep. And because of that, we're like, holy cow, it's so believable. Not enough companies are thinking like the 80s infomercials. No. 
how Those else is a cheap piece of 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 exercise equipment going to sell a million units? Right. The only way it's going to happen is through customer journey videos. That's how yes. it happens. Exactly. Oh, someone needs to bring those back. Yeah. You guys. Exactly. That, all right. So the final video is the claims we make video. And this was the one that I struggle with to kind of wrap my brain around. Um, you know, you've, I've heard you and countless others, you know, ask the questions, why should someone do business with you? And usually that, you know, answer that you get from people is it's our people. And, you know, how do you really show that you are different? So how do people show that they are different? How do they how do they make this video? Because this is the one I've been struggling with kind of wrapping my head around. Yeah, this classic phrase, it's our people that make us different. Right. And the thing to remember with this, Josh, is to your point, how many of your competitors are saying the very same thing. Mm -hmm. If everybody's saying the same thing in the marketplace, it's just noise. Right. That's all it is. And so you have to say, all right, well, how do we distinguish our voice in this case? Well, we got to show the thing. Mm -hmm. So let's start with it's our people that make us different. Right now, are there videos of your people on your website, of the people I could be working with? Mm -hmm. You say, well, what makes them different? Are they just highly trained? Okay. Well, can you show me the training process and certifications they go through in order to qualify to help me mm -hmm. as an example, right? Okay. And so that's the type of thing that we should be showing. Um, let's take a boring industry, accounting, okay? Mm -hmm. Man. My wife's accountant. an accountant. Great. Yeah. Man, <laughs> boring industry in terms of how they present themselves. And what's interesting about accounting is they, they're really terrible at telling stories mm -hmm. and they're really terrible at telling their own story. And so if I had an accounting practice, I would um, say to my, just for kicks and giggles, I would say to my customers, how many people do you think work on your account? Like for on your business, mm -hmm. as part of your accounting that we do for you every year, mm -hmm. how many people... And our organization, do you think, have their hand in that? And somebody would probably say, I don't know, one, two, three, maybe. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. But you haven't showed that story. So mm -hmm. maybe show the entire story of all the hands that are touched with that. And all of a sudden it makes a really big difference. You know, I'm a big marine guy, boating guy. Mm -hmm. And there's this brand that I really like. It's called Bertram. They're made in North Carolina. They make like a like a sport fishing boat in a way, um, okay. like a yacht fisher almost. They're so freaking expensive. And finally, somebody created a video, and it wasn't Bertram. It was an industry um, like review site, but they did it in conjunction with Bertram. Mm -hmm. And it was why are Bertram boats so expensive? Now, that is the essence of they ask you answer. Mm -hmm. That's the essence of what buyers want to know because they're thinking that question. And I was proud of Bertram for doing that. And I watched the video. And here's what I found. I found that over just on the hull of the boat alone, mm -hmm. all right, the hull of it, over 50 different sets of hands touched that hull to mm -hmm. make it the quality workmanship that it is. 
Wow. And I saw those people in action. And I said, ah, this is how you get a boat that's $2 million. That doesn't look like it's $2 million. Now I understand. I didn't understand. I didn't know. Mm. But now I know. That's how you define value, right? And so this is something that is so powerful to do if you just are willing to show a little bit of that secret sauce, which we all know is Thousand Island anyway, right? So show the thing, mm -hmm. and then people are going to say, wow, that's real. They really do mm -hmm. have the best service. They really do have the best people. I can see their people. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Thank you so much for that advice. That's definitely helping me understand how that works. Um, so we're going to move into part seven, which is actually the final part of the video, which is creating the culture of video in-house. And the first chapter we're going to talk about is why your business needs an in-house videographer, which I think we've covered that pretty, pretty extensively. Um, and I think that even people who are listening to it, which majority of our listeners are in the insurance industry, agency owners, and if they have the question of, you know, I can't possibly find enough work for someone to do this 40 hours a week, I think that you pretty much cover that pretty well. Um, now, one question I did have is this videographer that you hire, are they responsible for producing the actual content? Like, are they writing the things, the, the, the scripts, or who is responsible for that? Well, generally speaking, you've got a marketing uh, or content manager or marketing person on the mm -hmm. staff that is helping dictate what that, we'll call it editorial calendar looks like. Okay. Now, that person is the one that is generally, not always, but mm -hmm. generally assigning the different subject matter experts in the company. Say, okay, Josh, you've got to meet with a videographer, you know, Tuesday of this month, you know, on the 5th. And mm -hmm. you're going to be discussing this particular question. So come prepared to talk about that. Now, gotcha. depending on need, right, in your need, there might mm -hmm. be more conversation with that person as to how much um, or what specifically you say. The okay. videographer's job, more than anything, is to help you learn how to communicate effectively and freely on camera. Okay. And – Part of them doing their job well, and this is why great videographers do tend to be more social mm -hmm. or just uh, – or, or like socially, you know, like um, like adept at, at, at being able to listen to somebody and ask further or deeper questions so as to help them say mm -hmm. what needs to be said on camera. A videographer also does things like, you know, let's get another subject matter on camera so as to make everybody more comfortable. That's a very classic one because, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people get nervous on camera. And so because they're talking right at the camera, it's hard mm -hmm. to necessarily communicate at their best level. So instead of that, put somebody on camera with them that they talk with. So instead of gotcha. talking at the camera, talk at a person because mm -hmm. they're very good at that. They've been doing that for years for their job. Yeah. But this videographer, I just can't stress the importance enough. People try to skip this. It doesn't make any sense financially. If you want to be great with video, for you to outsource it. And if you want to yeah. create that culture where people are really practicing it because you got to learn to crawl before you walk, got to learn to walk before you run, same thing with video. You're not going to come out the gate 
being great with video. You're not going to know who all the great people in your company are on video mm -hmm. until you start to establish this culture. And it happens by having someone that owns it, that is meeting with those subject matter experts. And that's your videographer. Interesting. Okay. All right. That takes care of that. So we move on to the next chapter, which is identifying the personality traits of a videographer. So you list some of the traits that you look for when hiring one. Um, so the ones that I jotted down were the ability to work on a team and on their own, own the production process, self-starter, accept constructive criticism, great communication skills, and make people feel comfortable, energetic, and can excite others and lifelong learners. So obviously it's ideal to find someone that has all of those, but are there some that are absolute must where you can say, you know, even though they have all of them, yeah, they can't be one. like a hobbit. They can't okay. be just so shy that it's like you take one shy person with a camera mm -hmm. and have that person help another shy person get, uh, be effective on camera. Good luck with that. It's just not going to happen. Right. And so, I'm not saying this person has to be so gregarious that they're just overwhelming, but they mm -hmm. just have to find, have that way about them that helps people, that builds their confidence. There's a happy vibe about them. They get along with everybody, right? Yep. That's how your videographer should be. They should bring energy into every room that they're in mm -hmm. and which leads people to do things they otherwise might not do, right? Or they might yeah. resist. And you know, one of the quickest ways that you can really find someone that loves video is when they're not getting paid to produce video, do they produce video? So look at their social media channels. Look at their Facebook. Look at their Instagram. Do they make videos for fun? If they don't make that videos sense. for fun, I'd question if they really have it in their blood. That makes perfect sense. Well, talking about the person and um, the next chapter is the ideal videographer background. Um, a lot of times people ask you, you know, should this person have a degree in video production or something comparable? Um, and you kind of answer it and almost no, it's not it's not a requirement. Yeah, it's, it's, not. it's a nicety. Um, and you give in the book. Um, so loyal readers, go check that out. Um, Marcus gives us some great uh, you know, the fields of study that you should consider, what technical skills each person, uh, the person should have their creative skills, and then their video portfolio, which he just uh, mentioned, you know, making videos on their own. And then this to me was the key point out of this chapter, which was just because someone is good at making videos doesn't mean they are skilled at producing sales and marketing videos, which then leads me to think in the insurance industry, a lot of times, specifically with like social media, people would just say, oh, well, my niece or nephew, they're, they're on Facebook or they're on Instagram. So I'm just going to go ahead and hire them. So just because someone that you are related to posts a lot on Instagram or TikTok does not mean that they should be the person that you hire. I would assume you would agree with that. Yeah. So, so my company, my agency has, we've hired, or at least we've helped many organizations hire a mm -hmm. Uh, videographer. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they might come out of, let's call it university, and they may know how to create a video, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they understand sales and marketing videos. There yeah. is a very big difference between them, to your point that you made, Josh. Right. And so yeah. now, now what I'm talking about that is they tend to lean more towards artsy stuff and oftentimes are slow to produce. 
Whereas if you're going to be successful right. with video online, you have mm -hmm. to be willing to produce faster stuff. Like your turnaround time can't be like, oh, let's try to get this one great video done mm -hmm. this month. No, no, let's, let's try to get this video done today. That's the way that right. it needs to be. So you can't okay. have a perfectionist generally mm -hmm. crush it as a videographer if you're going to mm -hmm. be producing sales and marketing videos. The gotcha. mindset's got to be, you know, this is good enough. This is good enough. And so that's one thing that you want to think about. And the other thing is a great videographer, they're looking through the lens as a buyer, as a buyer. Buyer has okay. questions, fears, worries, concerns, right? That's how buyers think. They're not looking through the lens as a videographer only. They've got to see it as a buyer, mm. and they've got to be able to say, to, to, to what I mentioned earlier, deeper questions so as to further shed light on a subject that a, that a viewer might not understand, right? So if they gotcha. can do that, and they can generally do that, it just takes time, and usually they don't, they don't have that coming right out of university. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so as far as when you sit down, the next chapter um, deals with interview questions for the candidate and you kind of get down to the nitty gritty. And on page 241, loyal readers, you can see all 14 of those questions. So when you interview someone, do you actually ask all 14 of those or do you have a few that you always ask? And as I was reading them, I thought to myself, these are great questions. I don't actually know what the right answer is. So is that something that working with you and your team at Impact that you help businesses like ours yeah, to make sure the that they're answering you just, it correctly? So you actually just, yes, we generally ask all the questions. You actually just brought up a common yeah. issue that companies have. And that is, you know, oftentimes you might be able to, you might be able to look at a, let's say a piece of written content as a, let's say as the CEO and say, I don't like this because, or this isn't right because, but you can't necessarily do mm -hmm. that as easily with video. S it, along no. those same lines, videographer comes to you and says, yeah, sorry, this took so long, but I had to do this, this, and that, and it just took a lot longer. Well, suddenly you, you might say, well, geez, should it take that long? I don't really know if it should take that long, right? And so that's one of right. the struggles that companies have when hiring a videographer is gauging performance and being able to relate mm -hmm. to said performance because generally they can't relate to that performance very well. Right. So that's, that's right. something that's, that's just, um, well, just something that... to keep in mind, right? As you, as you go through this process. So that's why, yes, we help companies do this, but we've also written a ton about it, right? We've produced a ton of content about it to help overcome some yeah. of those gaps. Yeah, and that leads us into the next chapter to kind of give you guys your, yourself a better idea, which is a simple video assignment as part of the interview process, which is basically asking, you know, the person say, all right, you can talk the talk, now walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And so you have the videographer make a video. And so there are four things that you focus on. So the first is have the candidate explain why they want the job. The second is give a specific time frame to complete the video, um, which is within two to five days. 
Third is have them develop a script or storyboard to accompany the video. And fourth, allow them to be creative and think outside the scope of a traditional marketing video. And you provide a great resource, again, to the loyal readers. Check out on thevisualsale.com for a sample videographer job description and more information about this. The th you know, and the thing about this too, Josh, if they want mm -hmm. the job, they will produce a video. If mm -hmm. they don't want the job, well, then they're going to push back on that assignment. This is a no-brainer here. I mean, do not hire a videographer without having them create a video for you first, right? <laughs> if you feel like you need to pay them for that, that's fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. But make sure they create. And this is why we just we, we, we set parameters, but they're not super tight, right? Because yeah. I just want the person to – I want to see their creative juices go. So why, right. why would you be a good fit for this? <laughs> create a video on it. Give it to me in two days. That way, too, you're testing deadlines because mm -hmm. deadlines are a big part of them being effective as a content producer. Exactly. So the next chapter is team buy-in on video performance tips and long-term success. So now, you know, the person has accepted the fact we're going to hire a videographer. Now you need to get your people, your team members on board. And the two most popular excuses that you hear are, one, we're not good on camera, and two, my business is different. And, you know, of course, these are just excuses that you would just have to overcome. Um, but you do pose the question of, are you good with people to that person? And generally, they're going to say yes. And then you tell them that the camera is a person. So I had this idea or this image in my head. Do you guys actually name your camera? And like tell the person, you know, this is Kevin. Just talk to Kevin. Is that something uh, yeah, that you guys do? We've actually done that before. That's a really okay. that, that's a really keen observation. We've done that okay. before. I've even told it to people before. So give me a name of a customer that you've that you're dealing with, like Kevin, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so tell me about Kevin. Okay. By the way, this is Kevin right here. I want you to talk mm -hmm. to this exactly like Kevin's. No longer a camera. It's Kevin. I want you to see Kevin. I want you to smell Kevin. Right. It's like this is Kevin. But it, there there's a lot to that because most people. If you ask them, are you good with people, are going to say, yes, I'm good with people. Yeah. Yet they will make the statement they're not good on camera. That's BS. It's mm -hmm. not true. If you're good with people, you have every skill set you need to be great on camera. Right. Exactly. And then you also give us the three rules for how to act on camera, which is rule number one, you don't ever stop. Rule number two, you can do it again. And rule number three is the three second smile, which makes perfect sense because anytime I've ever recorded a video using, you know, Vidyard, it gives you three seconds. And so I sit there and I smile so that I don't look weird and creepy and freak out the person that sees the video that we're, uh, that I'm smiling. Well, it also changes your state. Think mm -hmm. about it. It's hard to be nervous when you're smiling. Mm -hmm. It is, right? Mm -hmm. And you will communicate at a much higher level if you're smiling. So, for example, when I record a video, when I'm do doing a, a training session or like we're mm -hmm. doing this right now, right. somebody says, I want to interview you for a podcast. I'm going to leave my camera on. Why? Because mm -hmm. I'm so vain. I want to see myself. No, it's literally because I want to see if I'm smiling when I'm talking because mm -hmm. that smile will manifest itself in my words and in the impression, in terms of what they hear, like right. what they receive, they will hear me speak with a smile, and that matters to the audience. Yep. Same thing with video. But you know, of those rules, far and away the most important one is the no stop rule. If right. you 
adhere to that rule, you will consistently find that over and over again, your team is able to do one take wonders when it comes yep. to video. But they get so caught up in, I got to say it just right, that they stop and they're more focused on not screwing up and therefore stopping because of it whenever they do. Then they are move forward. Don't look back. Whatever right. you said was fine. We'll make it work. Right. Which leads us into the next chapter, which I'm guilty of this because so it's the problem with scripts. And um, it was something I learned from our good friend, Joey Jingola, which was I basically take my blog posts and I would turn them into my video and I would read them word for word. And to be able to do that, I actually bought a teleprompter to do that. But after reading this, I'm assuming I need to stop doing that. Well, of course, Josh. <laughs> when was the last time somebody asked you a question when you were on a like a, a meeting with a customer? Yeah. And you said, you know, let me read that answer to you right now. Right. It's like it just never happened in the history of the no. world. Right. No. And so in in this in this in the context of this conversation, man, mm. we just we want to be so natural because that, that's when we're at our best state. Right. And we don't use scripts when we talk with customers. Right. We don't do it. Now, the most scripting you should have with your videos is possibly bullet point outline. Okay. But that's the most. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So we've got just a couple chapters left in the book. Um, the next is getting by and embracing the messy. And basically, you talk about how you need to get your team ready to be on camera. You don't just throw them into the lion's den without any training. Um, the next chapter after that is virtual selling, uh, the future of sales in the digital age and loyal readers check out that chapter because there are 11 irrefutable laws of effective virtual sales meetings that you need to read. And this is going to help you when you are leading any presentation. doesn't That's matter thing, what it is. You know, Josh, we've all been doing like these zoom conference mm -hmm. calls and I'm telling you what, I just got to say this, um, really quick to these two points. The first one you just made. You must prepare your team mm -hmm. for the clunkiness of learning video. Right. And get excited about screwing up, mm -hmm. about the bloopers, about the imperfections. Mm -hmm. Embrace that. We did I after COVID hit, because mm -hmm. I'd already written the book when COVID hit. I was it was essentially going to publish and i was like oh whoa, whoa. <laughs> and i added we added tyler and i added a couple sections one on mm -hmm. virtual events and one on virtual selling over mm -hmm. video and i'm telling you i've spent a year now training sales teams how to be more effective over video mm -hmm. just because somebody is a good seller or, or good mm -hmm. at sales doesn't mean they're necessarily very good selling over video and so there's some definitive best practices. It's in the book. Every salesperson should read those and apply them. They're not doing a bunch of the ones that are there. I can assure you of that. Right. I've trained some of the biggest sales teams in the world on this in the last mm -hmm. year. And so I think, I'm, in fact, I'm thinking about writing an entire book on just how to deliver world-class video sales calls, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's such a need for that right now. Oh, definitely. So, so uh, you know, those are those are major elements that you don't want to miss when you when you get the book and when you read it. Exactly. And then the final chapter um, is, but I'm not 
uh, but I'm just not good on camera. And <laughs> this is a story that I've heard um, a couple times. Do you want to give the loyal readers a little bit about Jane and what happened to Jane when you did a video with her? Yeah, and Jane's story, I've had it happen in different ways, different times. But Jane was a real estate mm -hmm. agent, and I was training her agency of agents on how to be effective mm -hmm. on camera. And uh, we decided to meet at a property, a very expensive estate that they were selling. We were going to create videos for each, let's mm -hmm. call it, you know, like section of this estate. And we started the lake. Yeah. And I told mm -hmm. Jane, I said, now listen, here's the rules today. The rule is I don't want you to focus on any mistakes. So once you start talking, you don't stop. You just keep going. And I'll ask you questions mm -hmm. on camera. You just go. She said, okay, I'll give it my best. And so camera hit, we hit record. I asked her a question. And within like 30 seconds, she biffs it and she stops. And she said, oh, I screwed up, Marcus. And I said, what? <laughs> you can't stop. She says, but I screwed up. I said, but you can't stop. And she says, but I'm just not good on camera. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's fine that it's not your thing, but you can't stop. Mm -hmm. And so, Jane, we're going to do it again. And this time, no matter what, I don't care if you fall in the water, you can't stop. And fast forward about 45 minutes, mm -hmm. and she does multiple videos in a row mm -hmm. on one take. Wow. And she says, after the final one, she says, Oh my goodness, Marcus, I think I might be a natural. <laughs> so how do you go from being this just isn't my thing to I just might be a natural in what was essentially less than an hour? Mm -hmm. Just a few best practices. And yeah. that's what's possible for anybody when it comes to video. And I'm serious. Mm -hmm. You are not the exception if you listen to this. You could be great on video if you're not already. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. And with that, we have reached the end of today's episode. So thank you, Marcus, for joining me for book four, episode one of The Visual Sale. Marcus, can you tell the loyal readers the best way to get in touch with you? Just like it says in the book, you can find, well, first of all, connect with me on LinkedIn because that's where I live, socially speaking. I post one great post a day on LinkedIn. Follow me there. You can reach out to me directly. My email, Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. My agency is Impact Plus, just like it sounds, .com. And we have awesome sauce over there. Sounds good. So loyal readers, uh, please make sure that you're subscribed to Agency Intelligence Podcast. And if you have 60 seconds to spare today, would you please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Because when you do that, others just like yourself will find us and we'll be able to impact more people because of you. If you haven't already purchased Marcus and Tyler's book, check out the show notes. There's gonna be a link to purchase it on Amazon. We are now on Instagram as explain this book to me and we'd love if you could follow us because we wanna connect with you outside of the podcast. If you have any thoughts or questions you'd like to share with me, please email me at josh at agency-intelligence.com. And loyal readers, again, thank you for downloading the first episode of our fourth book of the Explain This Book to Me podcast, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to you and have them answer the questions that I have. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.